Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, coming to you live from the employee bathroom at the TCQ Video Store, where you can pick up the best and worst in horror for only 69 cents a day. Welcome, fellow queerdos. I am former Village People band member, Nicholas. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I am that person who always takes up the handicap stall, Raymond. Oh, you're awful. You're <laughs> going to hell for that one. <laughs> Oh my god. Hello everyone. <laughs> Welcome to an extra sized, extra special, extra queer episode. Mm. We're on episode 19. Isn't that freaking crazy? Mm-hmm. I can't believe it rumbles to the big two zero. And what but I still a better way 17. to celebrate. Right. Yeah, and your bra. <laughs> <laughs> And so what better way to celebrate than by having like a queer ass pride roundtable? I'm so excited. For this week's episode, we are trying something really different. But before we can begin today's discussion, we do want to take a moment to recognize that the day of this recording is the fifth anniversary of the Pulse shooting in Orlando, Florida. Uh, the shooting would be the deadliest incident in history of violence against the LGBTQIA community in the U.S. We lost 49 beautiful souls and 68 others were injured. We want to remember and honor those lost and acknowledge that safety and protection are still necessary rights to reflect on as we celebrate pride and queer existence. If you'd like to learn more information or support the One Pulse Foundation, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to create and support a memorial that opens hearts, a museum that opens minds, an educational program that opens eyes, and legacy scholarships that open doors. Or for more information on how you can support the LGBT community, we will include links in this week's episode description box. TCQ Video is hosting its very first Pride Round Table. <laughs> we want to hold sp- <laughs> we want to hold space to discuss different intersectionalities and queer media representation with people that we hold very close to our hearts. So everyone, please welcome to the show four lovely guests for this year's discussion: Umbi Soles Flores, Richard Valdez, Jean Paul Escarcega, and Mia Reese, who unfortunately could not fully be here at the table but had a separate interview. I'm just welcome everyone. Woo! Woo! <laughs> this is the first time we've had guests since Easton, so mm-hmm. it's nice to have people back in the video store. It's very cramped in this employee bathroom, but we will make it work. I mean, it made it easier to hotbox in here, so. Ubi, I'm so excited to finally meet you. You've been the biggest supporter since we started the podcast. Hello. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's like hanging out with Raymond. Um, smoking out of target <laughs> <laughs> for our listeners who don't know uh umbi and i are longtime friends we've been friends for quite some time now and our our favorite pastime was just to go get like really stoned and go like walk around target <laughs> and like mosey out to the aisles i love this hi richard hello another fantastic fan of the pod also known as raymond's love air <laughs> <laughs> yes it's very it's very exciting and surreal to be here um i'm also kind of a little sad because i don't know if i'll be able to listen to this episode because i don't like listening to myself <laughs> but um I'm, i am excited to be here so hi <laughs> I, you sound beautiful you're meant for the airwaves i love it <laughs> 
And everyone, welcome my partner, my beautiful John Paul. Hello, hello. Hi, Yay. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> this is so exciting. Thank you everyone for coming to our first roundtable. Um, I did want to bring up that this is our first time doing this, and I did want to try and catch as many people, but unfortunately we can't fully reflect the big beautiful rainbow that is our community. But I did just want to get a bunch of people that do identify under our umbrella and just have mm -hmm. a good time. I know we all smoked before this. We're here to have a great time and talk some shit about horror and just be queer. <laughs> Do you want to smoke before? Um, yeah, no, we definitely tried to make sure that we got a representation across the table. We didn't want just genderqueer or homosexuals. We wanted to get non-binary, trans if we could. Um, My sister's a lesbian. <laughs> by, by POC, of course. So we wanted to try and get as much as representation as we could. But obviously, this is only our first round table and our reach is only so far. So I'll let this just be a stepping stone to hopefully something even bigger. I, know, I really hope so. I would really, really love to do this every year. But before we begin, we're going to do a quick final girl showdown. Are y'all super stoked? <laughs> a smackdown for the crown, if you will. Yeah. I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. So up first, we're going to have Lori motherfucking Strode versus Ellen Ripley from Alien. I'll go first for this one because I I'm not I haven't watched the um, Alien series, so. Oh my god! Yeah, it's on our list. It's coming up. We we're starting into Predator. Oh right my now, god! Ray has gonna... to look away. <laughs> <laughs> we're starting on Predator right now, and then we're gonna go into uh, Alien before the crossover movie, oh and then my god. go from there. So it's... listen, guys, I'm working on it. I'm sorry. It's been a long journey up until this point. She's educated, though. She's come a long way. So it sounds like you're going with Lori. Yes, definitely Lori for me. I mean, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. Oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I mean, I'm not either. <laughs> so it looks like we have one for Lori. I... That's hard this one. is a hard one. This is a this is a hard one because Halloween is my all time fave. But Ripley's also a bad bitch. And who, okay, go I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Ripley only because if she can take oh. down an alien, she can take down Laurie. Oh, and there it there is. we go. Umi, where do you stand on this apparently very polarizing subject right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm gonna cheat a little bit and say definitely Ripley mm -hmm. in the first two aliens and then Lori in H2O which has like the, the butch lesbian hair. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and let's not forget about the power suit. Let's not forget about the power suit. <laughs> All right. And John's hair. Yes. I'm gonna have to go with Lori Strode because Ooh. like Richard, I'm not really familiar with the aliens. So, <laughs> oh, the tables have oh turned. I think there's something wrong with the connection. We're going to a tunnel. <laughs> Why are you going with Lori? Oh, because you don't know Alien because you're uneducated. Yeah, sure. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Ellen's a badass. A, a cultured <laughs> swine. <sighs> I think I'm going to go with Ellen. I have, to, I have to go with Ripley on this. Ripley's a badass. She's in space. She has a cat and then she has a daughter. And she kills this motherfucking thing like four times. She has a cat. Why is having a cat make her a bad bitch? Because it's a space cat. It's got a space litter box. And you know what? It does take a lot of inner strength to raise a cat because cats can be very... <laughs> I'm a dog person. I really can't say anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For our next round, it looks like we have 
our one and only Sydney Prescott, and we're going to have her up against Erin Hansen from Your Next, the badass from Your Next. I know, these are so hard. Oh, <laughs> good choice. Oh my God. All right. Well, you went first. Let's, let's keep going. No, no, no. I don't want to always go first. No, <laughs> no I, have to, I have to think about this. All right. I have to think about this. I'll go first then because it's, we actually picked some of these on my list. So I'm sorry. It was Sydney and Aaron, correct? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with Aaron. I'm sorry. As much as I love Sydney, and even though she survived four generations of Ghostface. <laughs> <laughs> going to be five soon. Aaron killed somebody with a blender. With a blender. <laughs> and and then killed somebody else with a, a board and some nails in it. I, I got it. She, oh, she used everything to her advantage. And in my humble opinion, that is what it takes to be a final girl. She used, every, she used a boiling pot of water. She's got a point. She's an icon. She's a legend. And she is the moment. Now, come on now. <laughs> I gotta give it to her. I'm sorry, sorry, Sydney. <laughs> sorry, sit forever, but Aaron wins this round. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll pick Aaron too, just because I just love Australian Ooh, strong women. Yes. Typically, like they're just smarter. Like, and Sydney took a while to get to her strength. <laughs> She's still getting there. Um, I definitely agree with that statement. I definitely agree with that statement. And it's her fault that her black best friend died. Since we- <laughs> Call it out. Call it out. Umbi, you're coming back next episode too, girl, because I need it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's going to be Aaron. I, uh, I can't deny how badass Aaron is. Like the kills alone, like the determination to stay alive, the determination. But you know what? Always mad props to Sydney, mad love. I utmost respect for her. But in terms of who's going to survive the longest, it's going to be Aaron. Those are some dangerous words, and I kind of have to. <laughs> Yeah, Look at the material. Look at the material. <laughs> I'm going to go with Aaron as well, because oh, those girls oh, are intense as fuck. And, like, Sydney's great, but she was a slow simmer. Uh, um, she's resilient, yes, but Aaron, um, I think, brings it more. So Okay. We love a plot twist. Yeah. We love a plot twist. Sydney 5 Eva, but she Aaron won this round. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to also have to go with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Tens, tens, tens across the board. <laughs> Damn, girl. Yeah, no, I can agree. She's a total badass. And she set up that rig with the axe and just get it, queen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for playing. We're going to move on to... 420, what you smoking? I know there's a bunch of potheads in this room right now. And I just need to know, what do we toke on? I had a joint of Magic Melon Sativa. Oh, my God, that sounds so yummy. Yeah, I'm a sativa mama for sure. <laughs> Are you a joint, bong, piece type of person? I go for joints just because it's easier, uh, but I, I like it always. Amen. I know I like joints only because it makes me feel like Jessica Lange in American Horror Story. <laughs> so just <laughs> do you do you smoke uh, like pre rolls or you you roll them yourself? I do both. Can you roll? Yeah. Get, are you a good roller or do you have to use like the roller itself? Because I cannot roll to save my life. I do both, but then my friend Seha taught me how to roll while we were like smoking like 10 joints one night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> back to back to I'm back. Getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> but I do have a roller. <laughs> she, that's better than me. I, I get those little cones that you can stuff. And even then, she's sometimes questionable. 
Damn, I'm just gonna get dragged this episode. It's Pride Month, y'all. This is like we're supposed to uplift each other. I know this is a round table. Coming out. What did you two smoke? Okay, well, we smoked uh, these pre rolls that we bought called Nug, is the brand. And mm. they're strawberry fruity pebbles, which perfect for pride because we're fruity. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they are sativa dominant, right? Oh, they're uh, hybrids. Yeah, but it's, I think it's sativa dominant. Though. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the sativa. Mm-hmm. That's super tasty. Mm-hmm. I love that everyone's on a sativa kick because, uh, same, go queers. <laughs> we all thought the same. <laughs> what did I smoke? I smoked a bowl of Durban poison. Super tasty. John didn't partake, but that's yeah. only because John doesn't partake. And that's totally fine. But I kind of wish I did. I want to be a sativa mama too. <laughs> <laughs> When's the last time you smoked? Ooh, last time, probably January. So it's been a few months. Aww. So before we begin our roundtable, just a quick word from our sponsors. And now, a quick chat between two queer siblings. So I guess just start off, like, what is your name? Oh, I'm Mia. I'm Nick's younger sister. Mm -hmm. The youngest of three. The Mm -hmm. funniest, the cutest, (laughs) the greatest of all time. Your sister. Um, Well, my pronouns are she, her. Okay. Um, Huge lesbian. (laughs) Love women. Love them. Love the female body. Amazing. You're so ridiculous. I've been really looking forward to doing this just because... We've never really talked about our queerness. We've never really had a conversation. I think we've had one conversation when you came out to me, and mm-hmm. that was it. And that was it, right? Because like I didn't really need to come out to you either. Because no, you always made softball references. <laughs> just like oh, no, we knew. Let's talk about that. Like I, I wanted this to be open. I want this to be my Jada Pickett Smith, like red, red, table? red table. Oh my god, in my willow. To- yes. <laughs> <laughs> So exciting! No, I think that's... Oh wait, is Uncle Ray the grandma? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm I'm keeping it in, Jackie. I hope you hear that. <laughs> I just I find it so interesting because our family. I feel like I've never really heard a dynamic, at least publicly, of queer representation and family members because we have a very big queer family. We do, but we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's more of oh, guess what? This person's gay in the family or queer. Mm-hmm. So everyone knows within like the hour of them coming out, and mm-hmm. then that's the last time they talk about it. Pretty much because I want I want us to both talk about or like our coming out stories because yeah. I feel like they're very vastly different, and I don't want our parents who I I know are probably going to be listening, mm-hmm. especially to this one. Hi ma, hi pa. Like I li- I love them so much, and they've given us so much love, but our coming out stories are very 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 different um i was definitely i'm gonna take credit for it the older like anti-establishment queer punk who paved the way i'm kind of just like following behind (laughs) you like a lost little puppy (laughs) no but it was definitely easier for me Mm -hmm. to see you do it Mm -hmm. and well i didn't obviously didn't get the details because i was we're seven years apart so Mm -hmm. i had not as much information about it. I know like, it's so see- weird. You're 11 and I'm like 18. That which right, try 30, years- bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> try 30. <laughs> that on my podcast. Like that's not fair. But it was like it was it was easy. I guess seeing you do it and mm-hmm. then knowing like okay if Nick growing up you were my role model. You know like oh, knowing that I have an older brother that I can 
he knows like he knows what he's doing so if he knows what he's doing then i'll know what i'm doing thank you for thinking i know what i'm doing <laughs> i still don't know what I'm i doing. don't either <laughs> uh so oh okay God, i'm already starting to cry and we just got started <laughs> like five minutes in because <laughs> you didn't fully come out until when my sophomore year of high school which was five years four, ago. five five years ago because i graduated officially three years ago like six days ago Six, seven Wee, years ago. So you're yeah, gonna hit it. It'll be three years. You know, it's yeah. so funny. My high school reunions. Uh, technically, it's gonna hit in ten five years. days. Ten. What did I say? Ten. No, I'm just letting them know that. Oh fuck off! Ten years ago. <laughs> I talked about it in the last episode. I don't care. But uh, I will. It's gonna be official in like five days. So that blows my mind. But sophomore year, I had gotten asked to prom. By who? By my girlfriend at the time. Okay. I got asked to prom. I was like, okay, like I said it for myself. Like if she asked me to prom, I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna tell him like I can't keep doing this because I was ready. Because literally when we got here, I knew I was like I'm not gonna tell people I date boys here because why am I gonna keep lying to myself? Middle school I was like oh boys, boys, boys because that's all that was in New Mexico. God, for Christ's sake, New Mexico. I know you had then, such slim pickings in New Mexico. I'm sorry had, about that. Yeah, it was terrible. And then freshman year I was like I'm gonna just tell people I'm a lesbian because I mean who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. And Taylor, my best friend, who been best friends with for seven years surprisingly you know like i didn't know i could keep a friend for that long <laughs> I, she, was, she was the first person i was like hey like i like girls she goes that's fine i don't care i was like you don't think it's like weird or anything she goes no i mean you want to come over in my house and watch a movie with me and like her mom was actually the first person that i told like adult that i was gay i didn't know that yeah so like that's why i kind of like i'm pretty close with her mom um she was the very first adult i told that i liked girls so that was a big deal for me. And then sophomore year, got asked to prom. I told myself, okay, I'm going to do it. Come home. Came out in the worst way. I blurted it out. So we came home. Our cousins were here too. I walked in with my poster and like, you know, the flowers and the candy you get. Oh, when, from prom? For, for like when you get asked to prom. It's a thing now, I guess. <laughs> so mom was like, oh, like, what's that from? I was like, oh, I asked to prom. She goes, but who? I was like, oh, you know, like my girlfriend. And she's like, oh. And it got quiet. I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I knew this was going to happen. And she didn't say anything. No, Nobody said anything. No, Celine and Samantha were just like, oh. like sitting there like, oh, well, what did you do? Like, you just going <laughs> to take them quietly. <laughs> so no one said anything. So I called you. Mm-hmm. And I was crying. Mm-hmm. I remember. And I was like, mom didn't say anything. Abba just sat there. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I know they're not going to be mad, but like they didn't say anything yeah. that's like what i was stuck on for like 15 minutes and then i was like all right let's go pick up dinner mm-hmm. so that's when he sat me down in safeway and the S- starbucks is safeway for christ's sake oh. he told me i love you oh. i'm always gonna love you you're gonna be my little girl i don't care who you date oh. i just want you to know that i wish you would have told us sooner because i know you felt like you were lying oh. and then mom didn't talk to me for a couple days i was like fuck i was like wait Nick's gay, so I was like, why is she talking to me? I think it was, I, th- I honestly think it was the way that you came out. It, it, we talked about it like two years later. It was the way I came out. She didn't like that I said it in front of everybody instead of telling her personally. So I think she took it as everyone else knew before me. And me and mom have a really good relationship. Yeah, you so like, guys I, do. Usually, I tell her everything. I love that you were able to come out so quickly in high school because I don't think, when did I come out? You came out to me your Stop. senior year. Your senior year. Oh, I came out. To, you oh, came okay. out. To, well, you were brushing my hair after I had to shower. We were watching Will, Will and Grace, funny enough. I know. You're like, hey. Queers. 
I just remember crying with you because I didn't want people to pick on you. That was like my only concern. I remember that too. I remember that. And I, then literally the next day you're like, hey, I came out to you, right? In front of your friends. It's like, we're just going to walk past it. Like it was nothing. You're like, yeah, Because I, I always felt like if I made it a big deal, it was going to be a big deal. See, that's why I didn't want to do it. Yeah. That's why I was just like, oh, my girlfriend. Okay, I'm going to go call Nick. Bye. I just remember I always knew you were gay. I always knew you were gay. It was never like... I knew I was gay in kindergarten. I know, same. But like, it was never... I never wanted to make it a big deal. Like, yeah, I made fun of you because I'm your fucking bigger... Yeah. I'm your big brother and that's just kind of what I do. And mom would get mad. She's like, don't say that. She's not going to be a lesbian. And that's why I took it as, fuck, they're going to be mad if I come out as gay. (sighs) Or like a lesbian. That makes a lot of sense. That makes complete and 100% sense. So I could see why you would want to stay inward and do that. But (sighs) same situation. I had to call someone and they were who was also gay in the family and they were like wait your parents are upset right now that you're you just came out i'm i'm gay i'm like i know okay so what we know we know we see each other we see each other like so it's so odd our family is just it's i'd never want to put anyone on blast but it's it's taken a long time for us to get to this point complicated yeah but i feel like that's like i feel like our generation is the one that's changed it all yeah because our not not, obviously not to put anyone on blast but in our family we don't talk about the bad Mm -hmm. we only talk about the good and honestly me and you cause the most trouble because we bring it up and say what we feel instead of keeping it shut that's bad that's i mean it's not bad i don't want to say that that's not bad but it's bad that we're we're the, always the troublemakers. We're, we're the troublemakers. We're always yeah. the troublemakers. Of course. I mean, the, it makes sense. Of course, the queer ones are always yeah, troublemakers. But, but going back to uh, representation, do you have any movies that you like stuck to? Jennifer's Body. Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
I was talking with one of my friends, and she's like, it's hard dating a guy. It's Ew. like, it's hard dating a girl, bitch. It's hard like, dating anyone, know. period. But like, honestly, I don't think I could date a guy. No. They're like so needy. I am. And they're always just like trying to touch him. Just like personal space, personal space. <laughs> I don't, th- I don't think I could do it. Like in middle school, it was rough. It was rough in these streets. Yeah. Like trying to impress like my friends because. I did try to come out in elementary school to one of my friends, and she did have a heavy religious background mm-hmm. of Jehovah's Witness. Mm. And she's like, well, I don't want to be friends with you because you might like me. And it was like two weeks before we were moving. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I told you before we moved. Seriously. I was like, you're not even that interesting enough for me to like you. Oh my God. First of all, there would have to be an interest, <laughs> and honey, it ain't there. But like, it really, it really hurt me. I was like, fuck, okay, so this new place, I'm not going to tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to even give them this like the slightest bit that I like girls because I might get that same reaction, you know. But of course, I did end up liking a girl who was like three years older than me, and I couldn't say anything. And I had a friend that got jealous that I made a friend with that girl, and I was like, oh my god, she likes me, you know, like oh, a girl likes me. But then she's like, no, it's just because I don't want to lose you as a friend. She's like, fuck, okay, still gotta stay in the closet, Mm -hmm. you know. So it was hard. So. Like, battling with myself, like, what am I going to do in this new place that I'm moving to? Am I going to hide or am I actually going to be myself? Because I've tried already. That didn't work out. So this new place, I'm going to try to be myself. I'm not going to pretend. I don't care what anyone has to say. You took that power back. Yeah. I, I had to. Like, I was tired of it. Like, I hate. And I think that's where I really, like, gained my voice, you know? Like, not letting anyone tell me anything. Freshman year of high school, for Christ's sake. So, like, getting there and I was just like, I don't care if you know. And I was one of the, one of a couple girls out in high school. So I had a lot of girls like, oh my God, you're gay. I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, like I, I can come out then. Like Mia can do it. Why can I? And I've had a couple people like, you were the only like openly gay girl at our school. One of the few. And like, there's a lot of girls that had crushes on you, but they just didn't tell you. I was like, that sucks. You know, like, I don't care if they liked me, but just knowing that they, they couldn't come out. They couldn't come out. Mm-hmm. So like, I can only imagine like what it was like for them. And I, I think that's why I am so proud of you and that it, it is important to just be yourself and be your brown queer self because you don't know what type of impression you're leaving on other people that people might need that. Especially in like we've grown up on bases where bases are incredibly small. Yeah. They're so tiny. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, everybody knows anybody. And just taking that power back and taking that capability to say that like i am myself i am who i am and i'm proud pride hello bringing it back that's that's so beautiful especially since you were able to do that at such a young age of a freshman and able to take those steps thank you thank you so much for being on the pod today thank you for having me and all your thousand listeners Uh, but I know Jackie will be more than ecstatic to have you on. It'll be a blast. We'll look up the schedule and you'll find one that you like. Well, I'm just glad you had me. You know, like we bond over a lot of things. So I think people hearing us going back and forth is pretty, pretty funny. Stupid. Because <laughs> we're pretty stupid together. Hi, everybody. And so. I really want this to be open and flow. If you want to take this in a different direction, if you want to talk about something that's particular to you, please feel free to. This is an open space to talk about whatever you'd like. But my first question for everybody is, what does pride mean to you? So for pride, for myself, pride means like 
not having to worry about the safety and the well-being of Richard and myself just for being queer. It means that I don't have to walk on eggshells when speaking to a property manager while we're looking for an apartment or a home to live in. Uh, it means not having to carry pocket knife on me because I'll be damned if I let some homophobic piece of shit catch me slipping. Because yes, even though I live in LA, for the most part, LA is progressive, and I say that with air quotes, but more specifically, I live in the San Fernando Valley, which is predominantly Latino heavy. And I'm not talking about just normal Latino, I'm talking about that old school Cholo, toxic masculinity Latino. And growing up hearing the word faggot on the daily made me know that like being queer, being gay wasn't okay from a very young age. So growing up in that sort of environment, I feel like it made me strive for something better. And during Pride, it just kind of makes me reflect on like all the bad, not, not necessarily the bad things, but just like everything that I've gone through in my life to get to this point. And it makes me, you know, proud. And that's why I try to live unapologetically these days because I spent so many years in the closet. I'll be damned if I, you know, dim my shine a moment longer. That was so beautifully put. And I love that you did mention, quote unquote, the machismo lifestyle that we're kind of really exposed to. So it makes it incredibly difficult to, I guess, feel comfortable in one's own skin mm -hmm. when around that environment. And I thought that was so beautifully put. Way to go, Jackie. I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. Pride for me is about being unap unapologetic and confident in my queerness, um, to not be embarrassed or ashamed to let people know that I am gay, not, uh, nor apologizing for how queer I may or may not be. That's what the word pride means to me. As for like pride, the event, I think pride, the event to me is a safe space. It's, uh, it's a really safe space for myself not to go back and harbor over something that, that was so tragic, but, you know, I can't imagine what the people that frequented, you know, Pulse felt like, you know, like that was their safe bubble. And to have that notion completely wrecked, like I can't even begin to imagine what that feels like. But that's what the word pride to me, means to me and what the event means to me is to have a, a good gay old time with your community in a safe space. I think that safe space is such a key component to it, especially as we continue further and continuously try to understand what pride means because pride was a riot and that's what i feel like a lot of people forget mm -hmm. is that this was the start of a liberation and i get a little upset when pride kind of is just seemed as deemed as like a party it's just a big old party yeah. but you have to understand why you're celebrating i think right. moving forward absolutely yeah i agree with all of you i think pride is remembering you know marsha p johnson and Celia rivera and and all the trans women that are killed on the daily just for being themselves, right? Um, and that's who whose work we stand on. And more so, I think Pride itself, I think it's not something I've ever, like the the event itself, I don't think I've ever really gone to just because it's, it's just capitalism and, and gays that are just, you know, doing their gay shit that they do all year, right? <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, definitely a drag. Fuck the gays. Um, <laughs> but I feel like when they feel the most pride is with community doing this. And, and I think I grew up for the most part in Pacoima, which is also, you know, old school Cholo Latinos. Mm -hmm. um, and the moment I found other queers in Pacoima doing the community work and, and experiencing things that I experienced, I think that's when I felt the most pride. Um, to find that that chosen family, right? 
Very, very well put. I agree 100%, especially with the first Pride and how it was started and who started it and very much piggybacking off of everything that they started and got the ball rolling, essentially. All those trans women and POCs on the front line all those years ago really paved the way for all of us to even be sitting here talking about this. Yeah, I think for me, um, personally, Pride means... Um, to be authentic and to have self-determination on who I am um, in all forms and all facets of my life. I think I, I grew up in West Texas, very conservative space, um, not a lot of queer folks visibly around. So I, when I think of pride, I think about being able to not only honor um, my own authenticity, but being able to be a representation for other people who may, you know, not feel comfortable or not feel safe to be out in certain spaces. And so with that also being able to recognize that I don't have to um, silence or kind of hide these different parts of myself, being a POC, being queer, being non-binary. And so when I think of pride, being able to come into community with folks um, and be able to say that those are my identities proudly, be able to talk about both marginalization and what that feels like, but also resilience and being able to have strength um, and who I am. I think that that's, those are the big things that come to mind. I also think just generally for pride, resistance comes to mind as well. Thinking about our trans elders who um, started the movement um, and also giving homage to our LGBTQ elders. Similarly to what Jackie said, like they wouldn't, we wouldn't be here to be able to celebrate and continue pushing if it weren't for them. So I think in a nutshell, pride is just not being ashamed anymore and just believing in who you are and knowing that you have a right to exist no matter what. Yes. <laughs> Could anyone first recollect their time that they sort of felt prideful in your own skin? Is there a moment that kind of sticks out for you? Jumping back really quick, did you answer the question? Pride for me is this, being able to have this conversation, being able to have a space for queer POCs to be open and to be visible for me is what pride is. And I love pride, but I also agree with Umbi that pride is predominantly for, Pride Month is corporations targeting white gay males. Like, I don't know what else to, to, <laughs> yeah. to describe it as past that. And everyone else in marginalized communities are usually outcast or not even mentioned. So just the fact that we are able to do this and we are able to use this very small platform that we have to talk about this, that is pride, period. Yes, very well said, Jackie. <laughs> I agree 100%. And just to really quickly, I know we're moving on, but just to quickly piggyback off of that, um, I feel like a lot of people today are really coming around to the notion that companies really do just put up this front during June. They change their logos to a little rhyme, rainbow and they put up this front saying that, you know, they're, they're proud and they stand with us and all that. And I'm glad that representatives and just, just the community in general are really digging up, you know, the, where this company's money, where they're actually putting their money. And I'm glad that people are exposing them for the fucking frauds that they really are and just capitalizing off Pride Month and throwing fucking rainbows on their logos and on the sides of their companies. I'm thinking um, that will suffice. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. I know, but same thing. I want that ball rolling, that investigation, that understanding and constant 
examining of where you're putting your money and corporations consistently throughout the year. I need that when companies come out with a tweet that says Black Lives Matter. Like this is bullshit. You're doing the bare minimum. I need you to actually put your words up. But that's a different soapbox that I will not get on top of. <laughs> uh, but back to my original question, was there a time that anyone first remembered the recognition of Pride? What that moment was like for you? All these deep questions. <laughs> I know. We're going to get the deep. We got to get some deep questions, y'all. It is pride. But <laughs> the first moment of recollection of being prideful wasn't even technically within my own skin. It was playing a character in a musical that was queer and kind of using that character as a shield to try and explore my queerness was kind of the first time that I felt prideful, but it was such a weird instance because in that moment I was prideful of myself, but I was prideful as this other person. But because of that, I was able to bridge forward and start exploring that pridefulness and queerness. So that was it for me. And of course it's musical theater. I can't be fucking gayer than that. So <laughs> I know. You know, honestly, I've always been upfront and honest about my, you know, being gay since I was 16. But I wouldn't say I was confident about my queerness until me and Ray started dating. Mm. Um, he's like, he's the first man I ever held hands with in public or showed affection to in public. And, you know, know. <laughs> and very early on in our relationship, like he was already teaching me so much that I didn't know about queer culture before him. You know, I I knew what I knew on my because of my own exploring on my own time, you know, every now and then in private. But uh, when, you know, me and him got together, it was something that I was able to explore and uh, delve into a little more deeply, you know, both on my own and also with him. But yeah, I would say I felt started feeling more confident with my queerness when me and him started dating. It's so beautiful. <laughs> oh my God, my heart. <laughs> I don't know. I think for me, I think I've always just struggled with it. I don't think there's been a, like a specific moment where I've been like, that's it. That's where I feel proud to be myself. I feel like even in my own work, like my day job, I work with queer folks. So I'm automatically, it seems like I'm prideful in, in myself and doing that. But I feel like when I felt the most prized, probably when I was a little kid, um, and, you know, trying my mom's heels on and like, <laughs> you know, trying her makeup and all, you know, and obviously in secret, but like that moment of, of freeness alone, just doing you and what's feeling natural. Um, I feel like that's when I, I feel the most pride. Yeah. I mean, who didn't try their mom's heels on, right? But, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like to this day, like I still get scared to hold a partner's hand in public. Like just last night I was with somebody I'm hanging out with and sort of dating. They're pretty cute. Um, <laughs> yes. we, we held hands and there was like a group of like three macho looking guys walking towards us and like they didn't even look or anything. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting better at this. So I think it's, yeah. it's like coming, kind of like coming out. It's like a, a constant uh, struggle and work towards. I'm so glad that you brought that up, that coming out is constant. And that is something that I feel like people either don't really talk about or it's not very much mentioned because coming out is a constant process. You're constantly coming out to people. And even to this day, John and I are still very weary about where we hold hands, mm -hmm. where we can be affectionate. And it is part of the hardships of being queer and what we experience in our everyday lives. But um, thank you for talking about that. I'd, I think it is important that we talk about this. Yeah, because it can be exhausting, you know, trying to always 
think about how you're acting and and how you're mm -hmm. being um, portrayed in public. Like, are people mm -hmm. gonna think I'm too out there, or are they gonna wanna, you know, do something mean like gay bash or something like that? Like, things like that are always in the back of your head, and it it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I really resonated with what Umbi said about having like having instances where I might feel some pride, but not being able to really pinpoint to kind of a milestone. Um, and what really resonated with me with what you said was um, that aloneness of like being pride when you're on your own or being prideful when you're on your own. Um, so that took me back to the memory of when I was, I think I was four years old and I tried on my mom's lipstick for the first time um, while she's at work. And I remember being like in the mirror and just like putting it on and, and feeling really like cute and <laughs> it just felt good. And, you know, I, I didn't think twice about it. I didn't feel like I, I had to like hide it. I didn't have to worry about what other people were thinking. It was just the moment for myself. Aside from that, it's really hard for me to be prideful in public spaces still um, because of that safety piece. But also um, there's a lot of like shame <laughs> that I've experienced throughout my life. And all of us probably have yeah. to some degree where you really have to think about how you portray yourself and present yourself. The time I feel I felt most prideful was um, finding a community at my college when I was um, at UNC and I met Nick. Uh, that's how we met Aww. so Yay. being a part of that organization <laughs> you know falling in love with the sky over here that i think that was probably oh. the second <laughs> <laughs> oh, <you know. laughs> thank you everybody i really appreciate all of these stories were there any i feel like for most group people there's like a touchstone moment in your life that there was an image or a person or an event that gave you that like oh i'm i think i'm queer like, like this, this is, this is my moment and I'm here, like, I need to figure this out. Was there any moment like that for anybody? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to like say that everybody has this aha moment because it's not like that for everybody. Everybody has their mm -hmm. own journey and their own experience. But mm -hmm. for myself, I wouldn't say it's an aha moment. I would say it was more of a gradual progression of seeing things and, because like I have like all this internalized like homophobia, I guess I would say like when I was younger and I knew that I, sh I couldn't be this way, I kept testing the boundaries and I was testing to see if I like this or if I like this. Okay, well maybe if I don't like this, I should try this and I would try different things. And one thing that I would always go back to was the uh, underwear section at Walmart or like Target. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, my mom would be like, go get yourself some new underwear. You need new underwear. I'm like, okay, let me go run over there. And I'd be like, mm, thumbing through all the underwear. Let me see, where are the briefs? Where are the briefs? Yeah. And you know, you're sitting there like studying those underwear packages, looking for any sign of like VPL. But oh, wow. I feel oh, like, my God. I feel like that was like part of uh, my aha moment, if you will. Mm -hmm. I love it. You're freaking queer. Checking to see if you're a Calvin Klein or a Tommy <laughs> Hilfiger type of person. I was more of a Fruit of the Loom kind of girl then. I moved on. <laughs> First time that I distinctly remember that I knew I was different, because I, I didn't know what gay was until like middle school and I didn't really understand being gay until I was like in high school. But the first time I knew I was different would have to be in around the first grade. Um, in preschool and kindergarten, um, I had this kid in my class who was from Hawaii. Even though I didn't even know I myself at the time was different, I knew something about him was different. I knew he was like 
a little queen. <laughs> I, I I knew that instinctively. Um, but in first grade, um, we ended up being introduced to his twin. Um, previously, they had went to separate schools, which I know a lot of twin parents that send their kids off to different schools because they want to have- What is this, separate... the parent trap? Well, they wanted to have like separate lives, separate personalities, da da da, whatever. So sure. they went to separate schools, but in first grade, they brought the other twin to our school and they introduced him to the class and he had, he just had this oh, machismo look. He had this sharp, sharp jawline, and he was so like sportsy and broy. And I was so wet, and I was just like, "Okay, I have, <laughs> I have a crush, and there's something different about this. Like, it doesn't feel right, but it feels right for me." So, oh, that's so cute. I love <laughs> that's so interesting. I only because at that age, I didn't really understand what like liking was, but there wasn't there was an interest of just like. I know that this isn't this isn't like other people, but I never distinguished like a like until I want to say maybe middle school, maybe yeah. middle school. And I knew it was like because I always wanted to somehow have a conversation with him <laughs> over <laughs> stupid shit like, can I borrow your pencil or can I borrow your, your crayon? You know, something like that. He's but... like, but I see five pencils at your desk. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I knew I was crushing. I knew it. Yeah. Period, <laughs> Something that comes to mind was in third grade when I first moved to Colorado from Texas. I was a new kid at school on the playground. I had no friends. I was just like kind of scoping everybody out and just like, I don't, I don't know. Cruising. Um, anyone here. Cruising. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. And I remember seeing another boy. And on you the were like, let's bars. go behind the slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, like, I don't know. I didn't, I knew, I didn't know I was different or he was different or anything like that. It was just more like, I really liked this boy. I wanted to be his friend. I don't remember how it happened, but I talked to some other uh, person on the playground to like send a message to him. Um, and then he would tell him like, hey, he wants to be your friend. And then he'd come back and tell me what he said. So we were like exchanging uh, I guess conversation that way. <laughs> he was just so cool because he had like a leather jacket on and he had his hair like slicked back and like all gelled. And I was like, I want to be his friend. Oh, so we've got a type. Uh huh. Yeah. You like the bad yeah. boy look, eh? Yes. So yeah, at that time, I didn't, I didn't think like counted up to being queer or gay or anything like that. I just knew like, why do I want to be friends with another boy so much? I wasn't so like weirded out by it at that time but then as I got older I was like oh um and we ended up being really good friends um throughout you know uh, growing up um but then I end I think he was also like my first crush as we got into was that like, the, middle the jock guy that you were talking about that went on to have like three kids oh that's a different one. Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> well don't we all have those stories the gay experience man seriously yeah. Mine's really fast. Mine's really fast. We know. Batman and, Batman and Robin. When Robin came out with those bat nipples, I was like, yes. oh, for sure. For sure. Yes. And then when he peeled off those wax lips. Oh, my Ooh. God. Oh. oh, my God. I need to I need go. I need to go. I've got feelings. All right, everyone. Chill. <laughs> yeah, mine's very similar. Yeah, so I, have, I have three, I have three. So one definitely, I will say is Val Kilmer's Batman. So Batman Forever. Oh, that yes. did it for my kindergarten kid self. I think it was 
kinder, we had like a two classroom building and the teacher next door was like a cutie, like at this, I think he looked like a hipster, but I would always be like, why am I not in his class? <laughs> why is he not teaching me a lesson? <laughs> Literally that. Um, and then my last one, oh my God, what was it? Geez, probably the first time I kissed like a, a little, like another boy when I was, I was what? second grade maybe <gasps> the neighbor across the street wow. we were like same age and he wanted to play like oh i'm getting too dirty um, <laughs> <laughs> like go novella. on and he just wanted to like try kissing and i was no. like oh. wanted to play wanted to play doctor <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we did that <laughs> <laughs> only first base that was it <laughs> Way to go, Umbi. You got like way more action in second grade than anything I would have gotten to like, to like maybe high school. <laughs> Seriously. I want to know for media representation, what are your least favorite depictions of our community? I, I hate that we're always shown as the overly sassy, overly flamboyant, uh, overly out there in terms of personality and fashion when it's like, yes, there are a lot of us that are like that. How I'm even like that sometimes, but it's not us always and it's not all of us at all. So mm -hmm. I, I don't like that we're shown in one way. Yeah. Our depiction, like my least favorite depiction in the media is white, cis, male. That's, that's all we're depicted as white, cis, and male, we're so much more than Will and Grace. Like, <laughs> come on. Can I lie? Can I fucking lie? I mean, very similar. Uh, also, like, Midnight Kiss. Did y'all see that horror movie that came out? I did. Horror about mm -hmm. like gays in Palm Springs or something? Ridiculous. Trash. So that, that's the <laughs> uh, Just also, as I thought. Jackie, quit. Take it off the calendar. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't, y'all. That'll be the first one I miss. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely that. And I think, especially like in, in Spanish language media, growing up with it just 24 7, like the depiction of us as being, yeah, overly flamboyant or like perverts, it's always like, um, queer mm -hmm. people trying to to land the guy or like you know I don't know it's just like that perverse like hetero view of queer people that's just inserted as like quirky jokes um that that just does it for me in a bad way yeah yeah mm -hmm. and I always I distinctly remember in a lot of like Spanish media queer representation being just a straight man with a wig on you know what I mean being funny or something like that and it's like yeah it was a it's a joke. It was a running joke. Like, yeah. Oh, queer oh people God, are shit. the jester of the court. They're the, yeah. you know, there's something to be entertained by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're always a joke, or we're always used as an accessory instead of actually having fleshed out characters or plot lines or I don't know depth to like any <laughs> of the characters that we have. We're usually just a punchline, and that's kind of my least favorite. You get everybody kind of knocked it over the head of like white gay cis individuals as our usual depiction and if we do get any other form of depictions it's always the predatory type of character or biphobia type of characters and how being bi is just used as like a pit stop for like other people instead of like actually understanding what that means or trans characters being depicted horrifically in the majority of what they're showcased in it's just 
there's I what I need is more queer people in the community making stuff about queers for queers and not worrying about how it can be digested by white mainstream media. That's my biggest complaint. Yes. Yes. And, it's, and being portrayed by actual queer people uh, mm -hmm. is a, a big thing of mine. Like I hate seeing queer representation being a straight actor or you know, playing. Looking at you, James Corden. I've got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> faggot. He really wants to be a faggot. What the fuck's wrong? <laughs> Damn. Damn. Out of here. Hire actual queer people. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, y'all had so many good points. I think, like, you hit every nail on the head that I was going to bring up. Um, <laughs> something that I'm thinking, like, even when I was younger and seeing queer folks on TV, uh, in addition to like being like overly flamboyant and like uh, an accessory or, you know, needs to know about fashion and, and helping other people like be better. Um, <laughs> I also didn't like some depictions of like gay men as being really like uh, bitchy <laughs> and like, just like has an attitude is always just like, oh, ew, like, you know, mm -hmm. and the sassy gay like, friend. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was like my own internalized homophobia growing up. But like to, to view like femininity as a bad thing um, or just to it, for me, it was like this weird thing of, as I was trying to figure out who I was growing up, it was like, well, I can't be queer because I don't talk like that. I don't move my hands like that when I say things, I don't do that. And so it was very confusing for me because it felt like that was the only representation that I had access to growing mm -hmm. up. So it was very confusing of like, kind of feeling like in media, what you see is what being queer is. And if you yeah, don't the fit only that representation, mold, mm -hmm. right. If you don't fit that mold, then like, <laughs> what am I? Um, You're not part of the community. You... Like, what are you, what are you then? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And none of what mm -hmm. we're saying is any shade towards anybody that is no. flamboyant, anybody that is sassy or anything like that. It's just, that's not all of us. And it's just, there needs to be more diverse in, in terms of representation. There's so much more than more to us. We're literally a rainbow. And yet we keep getting like the same color every single fucking time. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's time to, to switch that mother up. But yeah. what are your guys' favorite queer media that we do have? Because the majority of the time, my opinion, we either get the really sad queer story where we love each other and then somebody dies or we get the <laughs> sassy GBF queer character and we're stuck with those two. But as of recently, there has been like a plethora of queer media made by queers for queers. Is there anything that sticks out to you that people should definitely be watching? Uh, for me, my favorite type of like queer media is music. Um, mm -hmm. And I want to give a shout out to people like Little Nas X, who's really putting the younger queers on the map and being very open and uh, overly kind of um, queer and not being not not being apologetic about it. You know, he's yes. no fucks given. He got so much flack over, you know, the call me by your name video and he stood by it and didn't apologize for the goddamn thing, which he didn't need to. And yeah. I think that was very important. I do want to give a shout out to other queer artists really quick with some of my faves. Please, please. I want to give a shout out to Kim Petra, Sam Smith, Troy Sivan, Kate Trinata, Scissor Sisters, RuPaul, Big Frida, Adam Lambert, and Janelle Monet. Those are the ones that are really killing it in the game and put like you know really putting us on the map, which I really appreciate. I am another Kim Petra stan. 
I am a huge fan and I've gone to two shows already and we buy her merch and I live and these spooky albums that she puts out or everything <laughs> and I very well think like she's going to be our first trans pop star to like hopefully break through and really be a groundbreaker for so many other trans people behind her that want to break into the industry or essentially just be themselves authentically in all honesty something that comes to mind is uh legendary that <gasps> one for sure yes yeah, something that people need to you stole mine yeah <laughs> you want to talk about it you can it's your body i mean you go ahead you're my guest <laughs> um yeah i think because like ballroom is so important um for queer culture and for our communities of color and it comes from such an intimate place um, where intersections overlap um, and so it's not just like a queer thing it's so much more than that i think people need to understand what ballroom is and what it represents for our communities as like something to, to go back to and really i guess know so that we know where like language comes from and our like our slang or kind of uh, things that we hear nowadays yeah because a lot of the a lot of the pop culture right now is really unknowingly appropriating it, it, it yes it's in it's unknowingly influenced by ballroom culture and Mm -hmm. I, I hate that people don't know the roots of mm -hmm. certain yes. things like it, it it leads to the ballroom culture and they need to understand it and appreciate it more. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's a huge and important factor, especially since Legendary also depicts trans individuals in such a positive and wonderful and human like lens compared to a lot of other pieces that use trans stories as like to provoke an emotion or like to depict them as only sex workers or only depicting them as the horrible individuals and the way legendary is showcasing them is just humanizing them just like everybody else should be and i love the way that they showcase their stories because ballroom started it all and it's pop culture is always started by queer pocs and i will stand by that until the day i fucking die and just stuff like legendary really brings it up to the forefront for people to understand but i always stand legendary because i think it goes back to that performative piece too like allies and and people who are not familiar with the like the lgbtq community um yeah you got to start with historical things and um understanding where we came from rather than, oh, it's just rainbows and love is love and people are just people and people are human first. It's like, no, 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 you know, verse yourself in some things first if you really want to know. Go read a book maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of that, like the bromos, like just in general culture right now, like, you know, that, that guy that feels queer or, you know, performs queerness because they maybe had a crush on, on a, a, a male celebrity, like all of a sudden they, they want to be queer too. Um, not to police, you know, anyone's queerness, but come on. Some of us for show. Back to the question. Um, I will say Rina Sawayama is everything for me right now. Like, she is the pop star we need. She is British, Japanese. Her music is just everything. I've, I had the pleasure of seeing her, like, live, and I'm just, I just, can't wait for her to tour again. Um, who else? There's this uh, non-binary rapper I recently discovered. I think their name is Dua Sali. Apologies mm -hmm. for the butchering of the last name. Um, we ruin Kalella. names on this podcast a lot. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Petros for sure. You know, all of that. And I'll, I'll bring up my friend Andy Sanchez, who just published 
his personal his first uh, poetry collection, um, Andres Sanchez. Uh, their book is called This Body, and it just I think it's a great collection of of uh, a queer trans immigrant lens to transness and in relation to body and all of that. So you know, if y'all are into you know poetry, please check them out. Yes, please. shout out. In relation to our podcast and media representation, what do you think it is about the horror genre that kind of draws in many members of the LGBTQIA plus community? Honestly, I think that queer people are able to see the underlying themes in horror and movies more than the general audience and they can relate to the characters and the trauma that they go through considering all the trauma that we go through. Continuously um, go through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I don't know, I kind of just feel like queers or LGBTQIA people kind of see things a little differently given our circumstances and things that we've gone through. And so we kind of have a, a different viewpoint on horror and mm-hmm. what it means. Like, you know, we I feel like we have all faced actual horrors in our life. So to go see a horror movie, it's like, oh, this is nothing. I've this is way fine. worse. This is a fucking <laughs> Friday night for me. No, I fully I fully agree with that. And I like that you mentioned <laughs> that we do kind of gravitate to underlying things and stuff because I've talked about it before. Horror is such a wonderful vehicle to use to talk about certain subjects that are difficult for most mainstream media to understand or for other films to talk about. And horror is such a beautiful vehicle for this. Uh, Queer people definitely relate to the final girl having to go through the trials and tribulations, having to put through it and at the end of it, become an understanding of who they are and using that to their advantage. Hello, that's queer people every fucking day of our lives. (laughs) So like the horror community can't help it. Not to mention, we love dramatics. We love when there's some TNA. We love sweaty hot guys, for sure. And And we love a costume change. Hey, see, (laughs) it doesn't, like it just, it's all in one. Um, in my opinion, I think uh, we kind of gravitate towards the hard genre, genre uh, specifically Final Girls. I think because we kind of see ourselves in them. Um, mm-hmm. I think if we queers were in the same situations as these girls, people would downplay us and think of us as not being able to come out as, on top as being sissies and not strong enough to survive. And um, just as we're downplayed like that, I think a lot of people uh, project that onto women and they think, you know, they're not strong enough to come out of these situations. And then they do, you know, they come out on top and, you know, they don't know that we're boss ass bitches. Yeah, all of that for myself too. I think queerness uh, is always seen as an otherness. So in, in, in horror movies, it's just the monster's always been kind of what we were portrayed as, like even like in the forties and I forget when like the Hays Code happened, but like censorship, mm-hmm. like automatically a lot of horror movies became queer coded because that's the only way they could actually express queerness. Like, I don't know if y'all have seen uh, Cat People. That's like the 40s, I think mm-hmm. it was in the 40s. Great film. It's like the queerness is like almost overt, but not just quite because of censorship. Um, and I think on a more personal note, I feel like horror was the thing I could get into as opposed to queerness in like growing up as an immigrant in this country. like. You can't be too queer, act too queer, because, you know, the limitations our parents put on us. Um, So horror became something my parents, or at least my mom, supported. Like, that would be Mm -hmm. the outlet that was okay. Like, still transgressive and rebellious and gory and, 
you know, not what we want to play like for family night, but that was the thing <laughs> that was okay to rent, you know, yeah. at, the, at the video store. That's a great answer. I know. That's that a great answer. answer. That's mm -hmm. really beautiful. And, I never really thought about it that way. And it makes complete sense of using horror as a way to explore that and to have an open space and quote unquote a safe space in a genre that most people just kind of outcast in general. So I think that's the God, that was beautiful. I'm gonna put, I, I want to remember that forever. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, when I think about horror, honestly, like growing up, I kind of wasn't really into the genre. And it wasn't until I started dating Nick and learning more about horror through him and <laughs> how amazing it is. And desensitized you. <laughs> desensitized me and traumatized me a little bit. Um, <laughs> that I really started to get it. And I think uh, what everybody said is so on point. Um, but when I think of horror as, you know, the genre, like a lot of people don't gravitate towards it because of, ooh, it's scary and it's gory and it's it's a lot and, and I, I can't do that. Um, but I think as queer people, we meet fear a lot head on. Um, and usually we don't have a choice. Um, and so I think being it, we gravitate towards horror because we're able to, um, I just lost my train of thought, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't even uh, smoked. <laughs> call it out. We're all here reuniting this. <laughs> um, because we're drawn to, to what's so scary about something. Like, how do we explore that? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's the beauty about being queer is exploring and trying to figure out like, you know, is, is something supposed to be as scary as we make it out to be? And I think that's what we're trying to also push back on when people think we're perverse and, and don't really understand us and are ignorant to us. It's like, there's there's nothing to be afraid of um, if you <laughs> just check it out, so. Yeah. So we all mentioned in some way, shape or form, our scream queens, our final girls. Mm -hmm. Is there a final girl or a scream queen that you most identify with? I feel like we all have one that we all cherish and hold to ourselves. Oh, yeah. Who is it and why? Um, I most identify with Sydney. She's always in uh, fight or flight situations and she ultimately always has to fight for her motherfucking life. And for me, I'm a bitch that can't run. So flight is always out of the question for me and I'm just gonna have to fight for my motherfucking life. And so I identify with Sydney because she's a boss ass bitch and that's, what I strive to be. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. I need to see you in a jean jacket next time I see you. <laughs> For me, it's it's kind of a toss up between Lori because it's Lori's OG. Lori's the like, in my opinion, original Scream Queen. So I have to go with her, but I'm also like 50-50 split on her and Aaron from your next because for me, Aaron just brought this very much grounded in reality final girl completely like ruthless was going to do anything she could to survive used everything at her disposal and was so goddamn creative that i'm really torn on the two <laughs> so i i have to choose two it's between laurie and, and aaron for me um i will say oh yeah i have a couple too i have two aaron so definitely aaron from your next aaron yes. from texas chainsaw massacre remake <laughs> mm. such a good answer I want to be Jessica Biel in a tank <laughs> blood and water, yes. right? Um, and, so good. Good choice. And yeah, and Gale Weathers, I mean. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yes. With so her iconic. tarnished brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why Gale Weathers? 
oh, I feel like if we don't take into account all movies, like the first one, it's just, she's a reporter who's an asshole trying to you know, get her Pulitzer, right? Mm-hmm. But then like, there's just screen two, screen three, like she just continuously pushes it. And when it comes down to it, she's down to shoot somebody and see everyone in the room, right? Oh no questions oh, asked. Nice. Like she'll take a bullet for you. She so. fucking saved Sydney's ass in four. Like she saves her all the time. Yeah. So good. And she's an author. She wait, is wait. an author and we stand oh, writers. Yes. I've never asked you this question. I've never thought about this question. Oh. So <laughs> I think Lori Strode as well. Um, because like I watched the first Halloween, the 1970s version when I was younger. Um, and then I rewatched the the 2018, right, version. Um, and really liked how they played on the intergenerational trauma theme um, and how she was working so hard to like the very end to, to break that cycle, um, but also empower her daughter and her granddaughter, but being seen as like, oh, she's just neurotic. Oh, she's, you know, she drinks too much and things like that. But like that determination to, to meet, you know, the shape or Michael uh, head on and just be a badass. Um, I really resonated with that because I think uh, in my own ways, like personally, I'm trying to do the same thing in my life, uh, you oh. know, break those barriers. So, yeah. I love that answer. I didn't yeah. know that one. I'm going to have to remember that. Mm-hmm. Easy, schmeasy. It's definitely Sydney for me. Of course. <laughs> of course. Sydney for me. Yes, she is a total bad bitch, and that is part of the reason. But the biggest reason why I love Sydney so much and I kind of identify with her is that she's kind of thrust upon all of this stuff consistently. And instead of deteriorating and hiding away from it, sometimes Homegirl does try to run away. I do recognize that. <laughs> no, she yeah, definitely. But in her filmography, just across all boards, her capability to be a victim and then become a survivor and then become someone who wants to take that to lead other people into a better direction. Oh, oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that from Sid. And she unknowingly becomes a victim because of her mom's actions. So it's kind of like- Family trauma. Yeah, yeah. so like <laughs> I, her character is so deep and I love her for that. But a majority of Final Girls are also so very deep. I feel like that's why so many people can connect and resonate with them. Because you mentioned it, Richard, this idea of queers always being, well, depending on which queer, uh, other and outcasting and quote unquote as feminine. And yet these final roles, these screen queens are able to take that femininity and use it as a weapon, as a way to counter this terrible force that's against them. And if that isn't the queer community, like I don't, like I really don't know. That was a great answer too, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And that was Through the Darkness with Sydney Prescott. (laughs) Out of darkness. Out of darkness. What are your favorite, favorite scary movies? I want to know. They don't have to be queer related, but what are the ones that you can easily put on at any time? Uh, For me, it would be Halloween. That was the first movie, like, as a kid, where just the score alone scared the shit out of me. (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) And it it wasn't even until, like, you know, Michael showed up and began his rampage that made me even more terrified. You know, I was just just terrified from the score alone in the beginning, you know? So that would be a film that re- really resonates with me. Um, but I, but in terms of like queer horror, I know you said it doesn't have to be specific. I do love the m- movies that you guys are covering this month. All equally, I love Covenant. I love Jennifer's Body. I love uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. So those are all great representations, I believe. 
I could put on almost any movie from the Halloween series and watch it with very. Don't even. Don't even. I see the finger. Put it down. <laughs> don't even. The resurrection doesn't even exist to me. And I, oh, uh, Tyra Banks. Like, enough I, said. I, <laughs> plus the rhymes. This is a discussion for Happy another Happy Halloween, day. motherfucker. I mean, if you get, hello. And then proceeded hello. to a backspinning kick. And <laughs> you could have so, read a better script. You moving on. Script. Halloween. <laughs> scream. I'll put the witch on there. I love the witch. Anya Taylor Joy. Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. When we first started dating, he really tried to push me to watch that movie. And little did he know I had already watched it and I wasn't my tea. He still oh. can't have till this day has not seen it. I've seen it. I've I just it wasn't my tea. <laughs> <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> I mean, I have way too many. So the, obviously the witch. I I saw it <laughs> very stoned uh with one of my friends, Robert. It was yeah, it was perfect. I just love the tension and the turning of the baby in the first 10 minutes. Like I was like, oh, it's gonna be great after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Halloween, for sure, all of them, even Resurrection. Yes! Um, yes! But Halloween 1 and 2, like the original back-to-back, I think that is my tea, like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm feeling all the time. And Scream 2 and 3, like, forever. Um, forever. Yes, 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 Yeah. Queer ones, I would say, definitely May, if y'all have seen that or haven't. Oh, recommend such it. Such a choice. Yes, May, Knife Plus Heart, it's like a French queer movie. I actually haven't gotten around to that one. Oof. Top five for sure. Oh. And the remake of Suspiria. It's just so, so queer. I love it. It is so queer. It is very overtly queer. I That one is definitely one though. I have to be weary and like check out my friend of like, how down are you for some like weird horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> how stoned, how stoned are you? <laughs> I think the first one that comes to mind is The Exorcist. Oh, um, because that was like the movie that like scared the shit out of me as a kid. Um, you know, like demonic possession and like Catholic guilt and all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> is just was huge for me. Um, and then I think that's scary. More recently, <laughs> more recently is Hereditary. Yeah, I really, really, really liked that one. And I didn't think I would. I was like, eh. And <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. It's so. Tony Collette. It is <laughs> Tony Collette. The Exorcist is a great choice. Like that traumatized an entire generation. Actually, a couple generations, I want to say, <laughs> because that was we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast where nobody was monitoring what I was watching clearly. But that was one of the very few, if not the only movie that I was forbidden from seeing. I remember my mom and I went to go see a movie in the movie theaters at the time, and at the time they were re-releasing The Exorcist in the theater, so there was a trailer for it. And I remember it came on and I was like, oh, and I looked at my mom was like, and she's like, you're not seeing that. And I was like, oh. so I had to like go and see it in secret at my cousin's house one night, obviously, because <laughs> she wasn't going to let me watch it. But that was like, ah! one of the few movies that I was forbidden from watching. So of course I had to go really? and see it right away. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> really? That was the one that I rented out of many that got me like, we're never watching horror again. This is like, <laughs> from Satan. Like, uh-huh. We're not doing this anymore. Obviously, my mom changed her mind like a couple weeks later, but like that was the one that was like a big no. It's the Catholic guilt, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah it's growing up in a Latino and Catholic exactly. household. Exactly, yeah. Uh, colonization, yeah. Hey. <laughs> Jackie, your picks? 
they stole one of mine it's for sure hereditary as of recently it's like quickly become one of my like top five then it's probably scream three and i know it's like everybody's least favorite but scream three is just campy goodness like it is perfection um past that jack you already knows like i am a 1980s horror buff so chopping mall for sure chuds <laughs> up there for sure nightmare on elm street too because hello but one of my <laughs> ultimate favorites is always dream warriors dream warriors is in my dream opinion oh easy dream warriors is probably in my opinion a more queer movie than the second one because it is about found family and being individuals that are outcasted and using that as your power against this oppressor which is freddie once again that's a whole other episode that i'm gonna go into <laughs> a different i day. never thought about it that way either like that's such a great answer it you is, guys are really oh, like opening so my eyes <laughs> that just like goes through my point where i'm saying that the reason why queers gravitate towards horror is because we see underlying themes like that like fucking some cis straight white male who went to go see that didn't get that from that it resonates for different people and that's why i love horror horror has a capability to resonate with not just our community but multiple multiple communities and people who identify with different marginalized identities that's why we've talked about it we love going to horror conventions because that within itself is its own separate side of set of pride and the horror community has been very welcoming sometimes it can be very fucking toxic and they won't go into that but for the most part it is a community for people who feel like outcasts and that's what makes it so good so my last question for everybody on our round table is what would you like to see moving forward we have been going to a point where queer representation is getting bigger and more i'm going to use the phrase digestible within mainstream media but what would you like to see representation representation oh, i want God. to see representation it matters. It matters. In front of the lens, behind the lens, behind a microphone, writing the scripts, producing the media, being the director, being the producer, everything. I want to see trans and POC stories highlighted. I want to see them not just in front of the camera. And behind, I want to see them behind the camera. I want them to be writing these authentic stories from an authentic point of view. I want to see mm -hmm. queer people in front of the lens, you know, playing these roles respectively and with uh you know what's what i'm looking for like a, a sensitive point of view what have to say about that reclaiming my time <laughs> <laughs> that's what that felt like <laughs> um i would like to see more diverse queer representation when i say diverse i mean in terms of race skin color backgrounds personalities things of that nature um, I also want to see, yes, I also want to see more queer characters. I'm tired of seeing the token gay character, the token gay couple. I don't, I don't want anybody to be the token. I just want there to be queer people amongst the cast or artists or whatever the hell. Like I, it just needs to be more of us out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Same. Yeah. More, 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 more. And I think we need to be careful with the queer representation as a, like a logo. We need progressive queer people making these movies. We need uh, darker skinned people making these movies, mm -hmm. you yes. know, across Latinos and Asians and, and Black folks. We need darker skinned people at the front. And not just, you know, I feel like I always see horror movies. Like there's one on FX, I forgot what it's called, His House or something about a house. Mm -hmm. And it's like Black folks 
as immigrants, which is great representation, but it's like, they're going through hell in this movie. And it's just like, yes. why is it always that? Like we need yeah. more. Um, and also I think we need these big franchises to give queer writers and directors more. Like I want to see a queer Halloween. Like my one of my issues with like the new Halloween is like, yeah, it was a good, but it feels just so bro-y. Yeah, when you, when they say like a revision, I want a revision in terms of like what Halloween would be like in a queer world. Like, I would love to see something like that. That's a great idea. Like how like Michael Myers going crazy on West Hollywood. Oh my Halloween. god! <laughs> yeah, but see, I don't it's want it to be Halloween. Camp- I don't want it to be campy and stupid though. Like, I want it to have a a seriousness uh, to it. A yeah, serious, that. yes, yes, yes. I want it to be iconic for a good reason, not for being campy. Mm-hmm. And my, I think my my last thing to say on that, I think. Uh, it follows. I feel like if there would ever be a sequel, I feel like we would need a, a queer representation for the character. Yes. Like, what would it look like for a queer, non-binary person getting a date on Grinder and all of that, you know, ensues as a sequel? I feel like that would be that would be fun. So yeah, that would be such a nice edge to a sequel for that installment. I really like what everybody's said so far about representation, about centralizing stories and voices from more of a diverse, you know, perspective. I don't know. I think for me, I would want to see more, I don't know how other, how a different way to say it, but like normalizing queer culture in horror and just like the nuances of our lives. But then I feel like then that would make us more like digestible, like you said, or like mainstream. And I think that there's like a power and strength and importance of being other still. Um, So kind of blending that, I guess that concept of, you know, being able to claim otherness, but not get rid of it completely, I Mm -hmm. guess. I don't know if that makes sense. No, No, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Because it's, I kind of feel the same way, just more along the lines of, I want more queer representation. Yes, in front of the camera and behind the camera and darker skin tones, absolutely freaking lutely. I'm really tired of whitewashing of an individual in order for it to be more digestible. But But even whitewashing POC where they put, you know, white passing Mm -hmm. actors. And yeah, I want to see darker skin tones, like you said, like, you know, real, real representation. Yeah, no more J-Lo as Italian, right? Thank you, that's <laughs> like, what the hell? Uh, what I want to see more, th- you talked about this idea of normalization and that would be more digestible. I don't think so, mm. because this is not a gripe on the coming out trope. I do think these stories are necessary, but I'm completely tired of it being the only story. Our sexuality and our discovery of our gender or our orientation is the centralized story instead of it just being a part of that character. I'm tired. I, I want just characters that are queer that have an actual storyline and their queerness isn't the basis around their horror story. That's what I would like to see. Yes, very that. But I kind of don't want this to end. Thank you. I know, this is really fun. (laughs) So much. I am so, 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 so thankful that everyone just took the time today to come chat with us, have a good time in this tiny ass employee bathroom and smoke it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... I really am grateful for the family that I've chosen and to the queer people that I have in my life who teach me things, especially you, Umbi. Like you're one of my greatest like queer friends ever. You've shown me so much mm-hmm. and you've opened my eyes to so much. And that's precisely why I wanted to have you on the podcast. And as well as you, Besides Richard. The fact that you're fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard and Nick and John, like every single one of you, I've learned numerous things from. And and that's something I wanted to to let people know of, like queer people were, were more than just 
for face value. We're more than just like someone's entertainment. We're more than just your token friend. You know, we're real people with real human emotions who have gone through some shit. And we have more to bring to the table than just our identity or our sexuality. Absolutely. Um, was there anything anyone would like to say? There's no pressure whatsoever. Uh, I would just like to say four statements. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just four short statements. Uh, save Black trans lives. Save POC trans lives. Save trans lives, period. And Black Lives Matter. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Umbi, do you have anything to say? Yeah, fuck the police. Hey, yes! Yes! again! Yes! again! Fuck, yes! the, people fuck the police! I'm just happy I got to be here. Um, this is really cool. I also don't want this to end. And I agree with all said statements. This was a really cool experience. Um, and I think it's necessary. And uh, it's just really cool to be able to all come together and talk about these topics and our own experiences. So I'm just, yeah, thankful for all of you. Yeah, this is a very eye-opening experience. Um, I feel like I learned a lot from everybody. I'm really glad to have been a part of this. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I really mean that from the bottom of our queer little hearts that this was something very new for us. And thank you so much for being able to just be flexible with us and be open and allowing us to amplify your voices because I think it's very, impo it's very important for our community. Yeah, definitely. I always encourage anybody who has any sort of platform to use it, no matter how small. Um, so this is our tiny platform and this is our little soapbox and we're going to fucking use it. Speaking of platformers, does anybody have anything to plug? Does anybody have something that they're releasing? My OnlyFans is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> I am part of the Community Literature Initiative, which is an initiative here in Southern California for community poets. And uh, they won, they're putting on a poetry night called Remembering the Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn, excuse me. Um, it, it is on June 28th through Zoom. Um, so if y'all wanna follow me on Instagram, Potita de Amor, you can do that there. Um, also part of the Glee or Community Literature Initiative, they also have uh, the Sims Library of Poetry um, in South LA. They're the first you know, poetry library of its kind and it's black owned. So if y'all are interested in supporting, they're looking for donors. So. That's what okay. I got to plug. Yeah. Thank you. I will link those in the description for this week's episode because they're absolutely yes. something you would like to reach Please out. Please follow at Hortita de Amor. They are always with the latest news and the poetry. It's so good. I can't get enough. Richard, would you like to plug your Instagram? Um, you can follow me on at, on Instagram at Richard, R-I-C-H-E-R-D-D. -D. Uh, plug my in. You don't have to. Okay, I don't really use Instagram. <laughs> I just want to normalize uh, queer mental health um, and mental health in general for our communities. Um, I'm a mental health professional and I want to see that more normalized within our communities. And so if you need help, please know that there are people out there who care for you deeply um, and love you for who you are and that you're always worthy. So, so beautiful. Thank you, babes. <laughs> At Next week, listeners, we are heading to a dark castle off of the beaten path where a Transylvanian convention is taking place. Listeners, we're ready to thrill you, chill you, and fulfill you with our very first musical. Next week, we're talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show from 1975. Dude, I'm excited to listen to that. I'm so excited. <laughs> see you shiver with anticipation. And then I'm just going to cut the episode right there. There's no... <laughs> <laughs>
thank you everybody for listening uh you can follow us on the our instagram at the carpenter queens our twitter is at carpenter queens if you would like please like subscribe comment on our podcast wherever you are streaming us my personal account is nicholas alexander photography my personal account is at stfu ray and that concludes this week's episode our very special pride roundtable guys so thank you everybody for coming uh See y'all next week. Say bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.